Welcome to Fallout Off the Record, brought to you by Quest Gaming Network. Sponsored in part by Blanco Mac and Cheese. Nutritiously delicious with oodles of noodles. And now, on to our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Fallout Off the Record. I'm your host, Rick McVick, and with us tonight is Shalene. Say hi, Shalene. Hi. <laughs> so um, I want to thank everyone for joining us on this very first episode. We are so excited to do this, as it seems like from the chat room, everyone's excited to be a part of it. So let's uh, go ahead and get on with the show. So tonight's episode, we're going to cover some news, both our weeks in-game some Fallout lore, like we had mentioned before in our episode uh, zero. Uh, we're going to recommend some stuff to you uh, if you dig Fallout kind of stuff. We're also going to give you some real-life survival tips. And, uh, oh, well, you know, side note on that, do not try those at home. Uh, hopefully that we won't be in a situation where we have to. And uh, beyond that, we're going to be getting to some listener email and the weapon of the week. So, to uh, kick it off, uh, let's start with some news. If you like news, you're going to love our next segment. What have you got for us this week, Shalene? Okay, we've got a lot of news this week. There's been just tons of Fallout news. And we're going to start out with my favorite story of the summer. Uh, somebody mailed Bethesda 11 pounds of bottle caps to pre-order their copy of Fallout 4. I did see this. And it actually worked. That's that. It is, actually worked. That is awesome of Bethesda to do that. That is totally awesome. Was that the first time that ever happened? It was. Uh, it was 2,240 caps, just for some trivia. And uh, the gentleman who did it, Gator Machete Jr., was his handle. Uh, he was the first person to try it. And so Bethesda told him that he would receive a copy of the game in November. I don't know if he's getting the standard copy or if he's getting a Pip-Boy, but <laughs> That's he paid for his game with bottle caps. That's pretty awesome. I guess we'll find out when uh, they send that stuff. Um, what, mm -hmm. else, what else happened in this week of Fallout? Or actually, it's been a while since the E3 announcement, so there's been a lot that's been going on. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh well, another news item that we have is uh, the three-dog voice actor, Eric Todd Dellums, recently tweeted that he would not be appearing in Fallout 4 after all. Uh, I know he had tweeted, I think, something like two years ago that he was going to be in Fallout 4 um, before the game was ever even announced. So he was just uh, But I'm, yeah. Mm. I believe he thought it was true at the time, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm crushing some dreams right now, but no yeah. three dog in Fallout 4. I, I wonder if, I mean, obviously they're going to have a radio that's integral to the Pit Boy and to the to the just the to the world of Fallout. Um, but I wonder if they're going to have some sort of kind of hyped up radio jockey like Three Dog was, or if they're going to have kind of that uh, down home older fellow that they had in New Vegas. So I guess we'll see about that. So. I don't know. I kind of wonder if we might not get a TV station uh, because the uh, Galaxy News Network signs that were seen in the trailer. Well, that was, I believe that was a network before the Great War. So I, I, I don't know. I think that might just be left over. But um, uh, our audio is low. Uh, all right. I'll see if I can fix that. So what else is, is there, Shalene? Um, Bethesda may not make having an E3 press conference an annual thing. Uh, recently, in an interview with The Telegraph, uh, Pete Hines, uh, the Bethesda vice president, said, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, so this is not a direct quote, he doesn't know if they'll do one next year. This just felt like the right time to do it. Um, so I guess it's just because they had so many amazing things coming out. Between Fallout 4, Doom, uh, Dishonored 2, there was just so much for them to talk about. Gotcha. Um, I see that. I see real quick in the chat room that it's coming out only on the left side. I had a feeling it was going to happen like that. I apologize. I don't think there's anything I can do uh, as far as the live stream is concerned. However, the audio for the podcast will be fine. Uh, super sorry about that. Um, it's our first episode. We're trying to find out some technical glitches, and it looks like we found one. So thank you. <laughs> so all right, let's continue with the news then. Let's see. Bethesda actually considered having multiplayer in Fallout 4. Uh, oh, really? In an interview with Mashable, 
Todd Howard hmm. said that every time they do a game, they uh, they design a multiplayer mode. They go ahead and sketch out how it would work. And every time he says, and I'm quoting this, then we go, yep, we shouldn't do that. That's an awesome idea that is way too distracting from the main thing we want to do, which is the single player. I can, so. totally, I can totally respect that because so many games rely on multiplayer to run their game, it, you know, and they just kind of leave single player off to the side or on the cutting room floor. So that's really awesome that they know what they want to do and they're sticking true to themselves. So. What would you want out of a Fallout multiplayer, Rick, if there was Fallout multiplayer? Something along the lines of like uh, um, Infestation or DayZ or something where you can build your shelters much like you can in Fallout 4, but mm -hmm. to where other characters can attack your shelter, destroy it, and that sort of thing. Um, however, <laughs> however, uh, uh, the way that, and then this is not a dig on ESO by any stretch, I hope you can understand that. <sighs> when other people jump in on your story, uh, it kind of breaks immersion. So I'd be a little leery of, of that immersion breaking because Fallout, Fallout is such a single player, lonely type of game. So yeah, we'll see. What do you, what do you want from all the multiplayer? You do not. Even want a well, I don't really want multiplayer in Fallout, um, but if I had to pick a multiplayer mode, it would definitely be just straight up co-op. Just let me wander the wasteland with one of my friends. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. So. so. All right. Shall we move on to the next news item, Rick? Yeah, please. Let's do it. Okay, there is a new character that has been added to the lunchboxes in Fallout Shelter. Yeah. You can now unlock Fallout 4 character Preston Garvey. He's one of the Commonwealth Minutemen, and uh, his weapon, the laser musket, is also available in the lunchbox. I've gotten the laser musket, Did and you? it's awesome. That's awesome. It's so cute. I love the laser musket. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't. I have Android, so I can't uh, actually play Fallout Shelter just yet. So that's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think. Um, well, that actually leads us right into our next news item, Rick. Ah. <laughs> Although no official release date has been announced for Fallout Shelter on Android, Bethesda's targeting August for that. Um, I saw Pete Hines respond to a fan question on Twitter. He said, coming along nice. Haven't announced a date, but should be out next month. We'll let you know when we have specifics. Then there's hope for me. And uh, I also saw, yeah, I also saw the Beth blog Twitter tweeting about we hope for August. So that'd be cool. Uh yeah. Although I Hopefully will have, won't have to wait. Too long. Well, I'll have an iPhone by then. Uh, one that actually fits the Pip Boy edition that is coming my way whenever. So, and um, that kind of leads into the next news segment about phone sizes, which Segway. I was. Yeah. If you have a giant phone, it won't fit in your Pip Boy, in your Fallout 4 Collector's Edition Pip Boy. Um, the measurements for the Pip-Boy are 141.2 millimeters tall by 71.6 millimeters wide and 10.2 millimeters thick without any of the foam inserts. Just in case and, uh, you wanted exact sizes out there. <laughs> yeah, just to be specific. The foam inserts are included to help like couch your phone into the Pip-Boy. Uh, those are built for the iPhone 5 and 5S, the iPhone 4 and 4S, and Samsung Galaxies 4 and 5. Uh, if your phone's close to that, it'll work. Okay. Are they done making Fallout Pip-Boy editions? I believe they are. Yeah. So. I think there are no more Pip-Boys. If you haven't gotten one, I think you're out of luck. So. I hope. I, 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 I feel so bad that they, that they didn't, that they didn't make them anymore, so. But if you do have one of the big phones that won't fit in the Pip-Boy, uh, you can still use that companion app, that second screen app. Right. Uh, I mentioned that at E3. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, fun. So I was really excited about this Funko tweet that they are making these wee little vinyls. Yes, those are so cute. You like news, you're oh. <laughs> <laughs> Funko, the makers of those... Uh, Pop Vinyl Figurines announced that they would release a line of Fallout-branded toys. Um, they're about two inches tall, and uh, there are 12 different figurines. Uh, it's a mystery box. You buy your box, and it could be any one of the 12. Uh, there were several different designs. There was a super mutant, a ghoul, a raider, a uh, power armor, and uh, my favorite, the tunnel snake. <laughs> and then there were several of the Vault Boy perk designs, like Black Widow and Mysterious Stranger. 
Uh, I just, I I've got to have one of tunnel snakes, though. Yeah, I didn't see Yeah, the there was a mysterious stranger. Yeah, I didn't Little see that. Little trench coat. So they're Adora. mystery. They're mystery minis, um, which means you have to buy like a ton to get all twelve, probably, which right. is fine. Uh, you can never mm-hmm. have them. You can never have enough of those things. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was really excited um, to see those. I never had any Funko vinyls myself, but I think I'm going to start my collection as these come out. Um, so moving on to the next one, uh, Fallout took top honors at the E3 Awards for 2015. Did. Game critics named Fallout for the best of show, <laughs> the best PC game, and the best RPG. So that's totally deserved. Uh, pretty super. Totally deserved. Absolutely. As many, this was a great E3 just for, for gamers in general. If you say who won E3, it was us, you guys. It was us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many amazing things coming out. Uh, you know, speaking um, of E3, I, I was really afraid that their TV screen was going to go out because uh, the one side kept blinking. So I was like hoping that, like, please don't go out on them because I'm so enjoying this show. Don't, don't go out. <laughs> so I don't know if you remember seeing that or not. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that was a well-deserved award. Yeah, very much so. So, um, so QuakeCon is coming up pretty soon. QuakeCon runs July the 23rd through the 26th in Dallas. And attendees this year will get an exclusive look at Fallout 4. Uh, the Fallout 4 demo is on Friday at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, the general attendance to QuakeCon is free. You can register at QuakeCon.org. If anybody gets to go to that, please let us know how it went. Tell us about this Fallout demo. Yeah. I am so jealous of the people that are going. Yeah, that would be so cool to see. So one of these days I'll be able to, I, I would love to get out to like an E3 or a QuakeCon or heck, even even a mm-hmm. Comic-Con <laughs> just to see some of this stuff. So. so if you're in the Dallas area, it's free to go. Just sign up, QuakeCon.org. Awesome. All right. So we've got some more recent news now. Earlier this morning, today's July 10th, by the way, recording date, July 10th. Bethesda put out a patch for Fallout Shelter. Uh, I haven't downloaded the patch, so I can't tell you any personal experiences about it. But the patch added a, a photo tool so you can share photos of your vault without just taking a screenshot, I guess. I, uh, I've i been posting a lot of screenshots of my own vault. I, uh, That's, yeah. I don't really see the need for this, but I haven't tried it, so maybe it's awesome. <laughs> uh, they also fixed the glitch where some people had their pregnant women remaining eternally pregnant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love the way Bethesda writes patch notes for their games. Uh, the patch notes for this said that some of the there was a problem with the vents in the vaults that was causing these women to not give birth <laughs> and uh, to nice. quote it directly it says they solved the baby coming out part the baby come nice so <laughs> thanks <laughs> for those patch notes <laughs> that's awesome that's amazing they also fixed uh, some problems with crashing and some other improvements to uh, to fallout shelter so awesome. go ahead and update fallout shelter Cool. I have never actually experienced any sudden crashes or anything like that because I don't have the game. But that's okay. I haven't had a problem with it. I've uh, I haven't had any crashing issues. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so we're going to move on to the second part of our news segment. We had a lot to catch up on. Uh, we've been prepping this since E3, and uh, so we we made sure to to give a lot of time for the news just to catch up with everything. So this next part is the Post National Enquirer, the speculation rumor mill and otherwise dreams that we have about Fallout 4 since it is obviously not yet yet out. Um I've been watching the trailer and the gameplay footage from E3 and I've come up with a theory um as uh, they as your main character you watch the nuclear bomb go off and then you get lowered into the vault and pop 200 years uh, later, you come out of the vault uh, still as young and fresh as the day you went in. Um, the theory I have behind that is that the other people in the vault were from MIT and you're actually an android now or some sort of cyborg, um, which could explain some of the eternal living thing. I don't know if anyone else is... Uh, said this yet or not but it was just something i was thinking of um i'm really kind of hoping that's it so there's like a blade runner kind of feel um or maybe you don't even know that you're an android they don't even tell you during that part you just kind of find it out as you play along um i'm just uh i'm kind of hoping that there is a little bit of that in the game 
Uh, it seems like it has to be because it's located in the Commonwealth, MIT, where androids are known to come from, at least as per Fallout 3. So um, that that's just my thoughts on that whole bit. Uh, how do you think about that theory, Shaleen? Or do you think it's some sort of stasis? That's really something that I would have never thought of. But when you said it, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, I really... It makes sense. It makes sense that you might be an android. Because how, how else do you survive? It could be some kind of stasis thing. But that's where everybody went when uh, people started speculating about how did you survive for 200 years in this vault. Everybody immediately said, cryogenically frozen. But this android theory is cool. I do wonder, um, how could we explain uh, the, fa- the child, you know, the wife and child? Is that... Uh, are these implanted memories? Did your uh, wife and child maybe never actually exist? I don't know. It's it's at that point. It, I think it's a little bit too speculation. I have a feeling that they did. Um, it it really looks like. I'm not a nuclear expert, obviously, but I'm assuming a blast that close. I don't see how that kid would have survived. Um, but we'll we'll see. Um, I see in the chat room that they're also saying that a lot of people on YouTube have the same uh, theory, mm. which is I I haven't. I just haven't watched a lot of the YouTube videos. Yeah, I hadn't, um, I hadn't heard anybody else talking had, about it. Yeah, I had known for things. sure that it was going to be a theory. Um, nothing is new under the sun. So uh, <laughs> it was just something that hit me as I was watching these. Um, so, yeah. And um, I know, Shalene, you were concerned about the voice protagonist, like the Mass Effect Yes, style. yes. Uh, something that people uh, will need to learn about me is that I don't like change. I just, I really, I hate change. And I'm very scared of having a voiced protagonist. Um, I know that a lot of people are throwing around um, Bioware games as an example of of your voiced protagonist being excellent. Um, But I just, I have to bring up something that I like to call the Cole Phelps effect. And uh, if anybody played L.A. Noir, they're probably going to know just what I'm talking about. Cole Phelps was the protagonist of L.A. Noir. And uh, that game had this system where you were questioning your suspects. Uh, it was like a, a noir detective game. Yeah, yeah. I and while you're questioning it. suspects, you pick uh, truth, lie, or doubt. And if you were going to call them on a lie, you had to have proof. Hmm. Uh, so if you only kind of thought maybe they weren't playing straight with you, you would click doubt. Uh, so I would click doubt. This old lady is telling me her story. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not sure she's telling me everything. I'm going to click doubt. So I click doubt. And I'm expecting him to be like, hey, ma'am, you know, you really you need to share everything. But no, that's not what happens. He puts his hands on the table and gets up in her face and starts (laughs) screaming at her. Just like, don't lie to me. Don't you ever lie to me. (laughs) And uh, that's just a a case of what you think your character is going to say versus what your character says. And I had similar experiences uh, in the Dragon Age series. In uh, Dragon Age 2, I would just be trying to be nice, you know, to my team, and they think I'm flirting with them. In Dragon Age Inquisition, I had this completely unintentional relationship with Blackwall, and I was just trying to cheer the guy up. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to go there. That's, um, isn't that how relationships start? You just try to cheer the other person up, and all of a sudden... <laughs> I, I, I agree with you because there are a lot of times in Mass Effect, because I'm a big fan of that series, where I would want the dialogue that is written out in text, but then when I click it, what the character does is not at all what I wanted to do. So I, I completely understand that, and I, I, sense, I sense your fears in that. So Yeah, I, I've decided, though, to just put my faith in Todd and, uh, <laughs> and trust that everything's going to work out. Nice, nice. Um, so... <laughs> Faith in Todd, I like that. Um, so, Shaleen, uh, we've had a lot of time to play a lot of Fallout. Uh, so, leading up to this week, what has your week in game been like? What have you been doing this week in Fallout? Well, I've been playing a lot of Fallout. I had uh, some days off work, so I invested a lot of time in Fallout. I've been playing a ton of Fallout Shelter to start with. I, uh, I have it on my iPhone and my iPad. And uh, my iPhone battery is just, it's constantly dead now. Just constantly dead because of Fallout Shelter. And uh, it's its really fun. I like it. It's kind of like Tiny Tower uh, meets SimCity. Uh, I, I really enjoy the, the mechanics. And uh, it's its so darn cute. And your little dwellers say the cutest things. 
Yeah, it was, and uh, my go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I did get a chance to play a little bit of Fallout Shelter, and I thought it was very smooth as far mm-hmm. as like the mechanics and the gameplay of it. So yeah, my first vault was a total disaster. It was always on fire. The raiders were just slaughtering all my people. There were just corpses on the top three floors. It was it was <laughs> it was really bad. But I'm on my fourth vault now, and I've kind of got it figured out. I'm at like 89 percent happiness, I believe. And I've actually uh, themed the vault after uh, some fictional characters that I enjoy. We'll uh, go into that later. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so Fallout Shelter. I've been playing some Fallout 3. I I don't know if everybody caught Episode 0, but if you didn't, I have all the achievements in Fallout 3 twice, once on Xbox and once on PC. And I'm currently working on a trophy run of Fallout 3 on my PlayStation 3 uh, uh, because I, I love achievements. I'm kind of a junkie. And I want to get the triple crown before Fallout 4 comes out. More, so I did my – go ahead. No, I was going to say more power to you. I am not a I am not a uh, achievement junkie by any stretch. <laughs> so I have more it, power to you. <laughs> I did my neutral and evil karma achievements. I had some uh, strategic save files at, you know, level 13 and and level 7 and gotcha. stuff. So I went ahead and just uh, did those. I uh, Usually I just do them. I just rob Megaton blind <laughs> to lower my karma enough and then uh, go ahead and finish a quest or something to level up. But this time I thought I would do it um, differently. And I did something I've never done before. I burned Harold the tree. <laughs> and I gotta say, I usually, I try to live a life with no regrets, but I regret burning Harold the tree. It was horrible. <laughs> just, he gives this, like, just cry of anguish. And then you leave, and the hippies are so mean. And you would think that, you know, I, I'm level 20 now. I've got this power armor and this power fist, and I should be able to take some hippies, but I, I couldn't take the hippies. Very violent they were so hippies. Mean. <laughs> yeah, they don't like it when you when you burn their tree, so uh, R.I.P. Harold. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading in the comments. Yay, burn the tree, kill the ants. <laughs> <laughs> I I could never have burnt Harold. It just uh it's very hard for me to be mean in that game. Just it's too mm-hmm. I don't know, it's too I don't want to say too real, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I understand. I, I definitely regret burning Harold the tree. <laughs> I um I also started Broken Steel. Um Broken Steel has one of my favorite quests in Fallout, and that is the amazing Aquagira. There's this ghoul in Underworld who's selling these bottles of Aquacura. He says they're Aquapura that's been fortified and it will cure your condition as a ghoul. It will reverse the effects and turn you human again. And as evidence, he has this, you know, bouffant hair, this fabulous, just (laughs) lush hair. And, um, and you can actually track down his bottling operation and find the wigs that he's wearing. Yeah. So I put on his wig <laughs> and I put on the same outfit he was wearing and went to confront him about his bottling operation. And uh, it's so funny to just watch him squirm in front of all those other ghouls. That's funny. That is really yeah, funny. So, so. Uh, and there was uh, – I went to Old Olney uh, to get the uh, – the thingy for the Brotherhood of Steel. I forget what it's called. It's a um, dangerous place. <laughs> I'm playing as a as an unarmed character. Um, <laughs> I, he's a Forrest Gump character, right? <laughs> I gave him really high endurance, really high strength, really low intelligence. His intelligence is like two. And, um, <laughs> and so I'm just punching my way across the wasteland, which has been pretty fun. Um, and I thought, okay, there's three death claws in Old Olney that I can remember in the streets of Old Olney. So I'm going to be prepared. I packed like nine frag grenades. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I got, and I'm kind of a hoarder in Fallout. So I, I try to go into things with uh, as little weight as possible. So I, I left everything except for my power fist and my, uh, my little few grenades. And I go to Old Olney. I take out the three death claws. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm doing so good. I go into the Old Olney underground, and there's like a million death claws down there. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say just three. Save, I mean, I remember like 30. <laughs> at my last save, I had broken power armor, and I was wearing this wasteland suit that I picked up off a dead ghoul. 
Uh, my power fist is broken, and I was cowering behind a Nuka Cola machine, like <laughs> praying that the Death Claw won't look this way. Just don't turn, don't turn yeah. your head. And that's where I saved. So we'll see if I can get out of that maybe after the show. Well, yeah, good luck uh, with that. <laughs> I've also this is running a little long, but no, I've no, also been playing. I've also been playing Fallout One. Uh, Fallout Three was my first Fallout. And uh, during the 90s, when Fallout 1 and 2 came out, I was, uh, I was a Nintendo kid. I wasn't playing a lot of uh, games on the PC. And this style of game is completely new to me. Yeah. Completely new. And uh, it's, it's hard. Fallout, the original, is very hard. Yeah. Um, those, those old ISOs are very difficult, especially, especially Fallout 1. I had a very tough time playing it. So. I'm about two hours in right now. I've cleared Vault 15. And uh, then I spent a significant amount of time running from about 8,000 scorpions that spawned in a random encounter. <laughs> and I was just screaming like a little girl, just running across the wasteland, praying I could get away. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that character is actually also in a pickle. So gotcha. and, we'll uh, see you can do good luck and um we are going to be covering the original fallouts um too so stay tuned for future future episodes for that Uh, i'm actually really excited to get into some of those there's a lot of good lore uh and and past events that kind of fall into fallout 3 and new vegas and stuff so i'm excited to get into that yeah um it's a it's i'm getting into it the longer that i play it the more I dig it. It's pretty cool. It's just very different, and it's the mechanics take getting used to. Yeah. If anybody else out there is going to try Fallout 1 or 2, they're pretty cheap on Steam. Um, I would recommend that you read the manual first. Yes. It does not tell you at all what any buttons do. It took me forever to figure it out. It does. There's a page in the back that tells you. Well, I mean, Oh, yes, you mean the you game have, itself? Yeah, the game My itself bad. doesn't tell you. No whatever. tutorials. Uh, Fallout 1 is unkind. It's unkind. <laughs> so it's just a testament to how easy games have gotten, I think. so. Um, but yeah, so we're going to move on to our gameplay segment. And uh, we are going to be in New Vegas uh, for a little bit talking about a character that I had made. So we're going to go ahead and um, get into our gameplay. So just to let you know about what is going on with the character that I made, it's a ultimate survival run, which means it's hardcore mode is on, very hard difficulty, um, and permadeath. Um, I did one run that I avoided any populated areas, and that didn't last very long. So um, this one, we're going to go ahead and get into the, uh, the video that I have here. And um, so this is my character. I kind of based him on, like, I don't know, what I think a scruffy-looking geekwood type, geek-type character, I guess. I don't know. I really wanted to focus on energy weapons and intelligence with, with this run. So... Um, Again, I wanted to make like a permanent death guy. I never really messed with energy weapons too much. Uh, so I really wanted to give it a try and, and to see what it would be like to use energy weapons. So um, what I did here with my special, I made my strength 3, perception 9, endurance 4, charisma 6, intelligence 8. Again, I wanted the intelligence and the perception up for energy weapons, agility 4, and luck 6. Uh, I planned on traveling light. Um just to keep things, you know, to move fast, and I didn't want to, uh, I I didn't really think he would be very strong. I'm a very RPG-type player, so it started me out with explosives, energy weapons, and science, but I wanted to pick speech because I just find that so convenient in this game. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, Shalene, but I love speech and uh, lockpick. I feel like I can't... I really do. Those are two of my favorite skills. Yeah, I, I feel like I can't survive without those without those, without those, those stats. So um, I also picked four eyes because I love this perk. I usually also pick the... Uh, I think it's the trigger, control trigger or something, where you shoot 20% slower, <clears throat> excuse me, but your accuracy is increased. Um, so I always enjoyed, always enjoyed that as well. So after I meet Sunny, I come out here, and this is the first combat I've been in. And I off these two geckos with one shot from a plasma pistol, uh, which 
made me that was feel pretty awesome. Yeah, it made me feel like I was invincible. And uh, that kind of stuck with me through the game. There's a weird thing that's happened in my New Vegas. There's a couple continuous glitches, and I hope that maybe somebody knows what's going on. But Cheyenne always has her eyeballs on the side of her head, but vertically instead of horizontally. And I don't know why. And it's always like this, no matter how many times I reload or how many new games I start. There's also another one where the skin of the 357 Magnum is all jumbled. That's that's the same every time. So yeah, the Cheyenne uh, has or Cheyenne. The, yeah, has some goofy eyeballs, um, as you can see in the video. So uh, what I'm about to show you here is another problem I have. The laser rifle, whenever I fire from the iron sights, just jumps right up in my screen, and I can't see anything. Uh, I go into the pit, uh, I go into the uh, Bison Steve, and this is like where the problem. With me thinking I'm all that and a bag of chips gets me in trouble. Um, I take out the first couple of guys pretty simply. Um, I know, like, when you first start out, the Bison Steve is kind of like the go-to place. At least it's my go-to place. Um, I rip apart, like, the first two guys semi-easily. Oh, and because of this goofy little jump, I'm shooting from the hip, which shooting from the hip in Fallout feels like you're toying with the NPC, like you're just like, shoot him in the arm, shoot him in the leg, take the longest time <laughs> to kill him. Um, I don't know why I lay frag mines all the time in the Bison Steve when it comes to the main area on the first floor of the bad guys, because by the time they run past my mines, they haven't exploded yet. And then, because they never do anything, and by the time they explode, and I throw a couple more throwables... The throwables come back in my face and explode, as you'll see here with this dynamite. Um, I whip one, you know, the frag grenade explodes and it comes back and explodes in my face. And I always know that there's some sort of incinerator or flamer, and it just, as you can see my health, it just rips me apart. And there's absolutely nothing like the glow of a pit boy when you're on fire. It's lovable. <laughs> <laughs> so I come back in to finish the job. And uh, the reason I'm showing you this is just because of how I thought I was awesome I'm totally not I was actually really lucky to get out of this alive um, I also gotta mention there's nothing like bullet time and reloading the caravan shotgun it's just such a good feeling when you just flip that back and it's like so um, this is the first time I've ever used the incinerator and the incinerator, if anybody has never used it, is awesome. Uh, especially when you use it and you sneak up on a group of people together and you just lay waste. Have you ever used the incinerator? You know, I'm not big on, on uh, that kind of weapon. I've never used the incinerator. It's awesome. I do like the shish kebab, though. <laughs> I, I, I just love how, like, when you shoot them, sometimes they explode. So mm -hmm. this, Mr. Gutsy, was my demise. I had him down to, like... A little bit of hard, a little bit of, little bit of health left, and then, boom, dead. Like I said, this is my permadeath character, and I was totally not expecting to get shot and killed with two hits from a Mr. Gutsy. So that is our gameplay of the week. Uh, like I said, this was my permadeath character, so <laughs> right after I died, I deleted my character because he was dead. And uh, that is the end of that guy. <laughs> So R.I.P. Rick's character. R.I.P. Yeah. So I love permadeath. It's a lot of fun to play. It's also really, really difficult, um, especially if you decide to stay out of all the populated areas. Uh, it makes it very difficult because you just can't go buy ammo. You can't go buy health. Um, so, yeah. So um, we're going to go ahead and get into lore. This is really awesome. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go pre-war lore. So we're going to start with the year uh, 2042 and talk about what led up to the uh, Great War. So um, this is all based off of the uh, Fallout Wiki timeline. You can see all this, but we picked out a few highlights that uh, kind of are a little bit more involved with the games rather than just backstory. Um, I mean, it is backstory, but... So uh, in 2042, there is an earthquake in Mexico and Robert House founds Robco. And I didn't realize that Robert House was involved with Robco until a little bit after discovering him in uh, New Vegas and, you know, 
I forget how I actually I found out. I think it was the uh, Robco building or something. Um, but I thought that was pretty cool. So we're going to move on to 2051 to 2052. Uh, this is important because what happens is there's a TV documentary on the U.S. energy crisis. There was a, uh, I don't know, uh, th- there was a big energy crisis going on throughout the world. Um, and uh, I believe, I can't remember what year it started, but basically the European nations went to war with the Middle East over the remaining resources in the Middle East. Um, so, and that kind of trickled over into our energy that we were running out of um, because of the, I think, the earthquake in Mexico. Also, the new plague e- epidemic uh, happened, which was a government, it was a government bio, biological weapon that got released, I think, in Colorado, I think Denver to be specific. Um, and I th- and because of that, um, I think they cr- started working on the beginnings of the FEV virus. Um, right. And, oh, by the way, I was wrong. It wasn't in 2040, but in 2051 or 2052 is when the resource wars begin in the Middle East. Um, and also the United Nations uh, disintegrate, which is, which is important. Um, in 2054, RepCon is founded. Tel Aviv was destroyed with the first nuke exchange since World War II. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was interesting that Tel Aviv was was hit and that was the first nuke happened in the Middle East. Um, and Project Safe House was okayed, and um, I believe that was the beginning of Vault Tech Vaults. Um, I forget the details on that, but uh, which kind of yeah. So in 2059. Uh, the Anchorage Frontline was established as America protects itself and its interests of Alaskan oil from fear of the Chinese invasion. There were some peace talks that were going on between or resource talks that were going on between China and the United States that weren't going so well. And the quickest place that they would uh, invade would be Alaska for our um, oil in the Alaskan pipeline, which is why uh, Alaska is where they hit and we established the front right. line there. Uh, in 20, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2060, uh, our fuel is almost out, and I believe that's when we started working on fusion. Um, I say we like this has happened. <laughs> the war in the Middle East comes to an end, and all the and the European uh, Commonwealth dissolves into a bunch of different little warring states. Uh, the war actually ended in the Middle East, after like during all the resources going away. So it was kind of a fruitless war. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the European nations started fighting each other for what was left. In 2066, China invades Alaska. And and you get to experience that a little bit in uh, Operation Anchorage, um, where you liberate Alaska. And in in 2067, the T-45D power armor is deployed in Alaska, which takes place of uh, mobile tanks. It's kind of like they are tanks. The humans are the tanks. Um, Now, this is interesting. Uh, Relations with Canada start dissolving because we have troops going through Canada back and forth um, to Alaska to strengthen our front there. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, to protect our pipeline. And the Canadians don't really like it. So in 2072, Canada begin. it, it starts to be annexed by the United States. So we start taking over Canada. And um, that causes riots and protests to which the United, Na- uh, the United States uh, used lethal force against them, uh, against the protests and riots. So kind of a cruel cruel situation up there. Um, in 2075, the FEV virus begins being tested at West Tech, um, which we know leads to the super mutant uh, mutations and the experimentations that they're doing there on uh, people such uh, that, you know, lead to the, um, oh, I can't think of, what are the, the little centaurs? That's it. So, right. And uh, so 2077 is when everything basically goes to hell uh, for the world. Um, So everybody knows that October 23rd, 2077 is the day. But before that, the gas prices soar to $7,000 to $8,000 per gallon, which uh, we thought like six bucks was bad or like (laughs) three, four dollars was bad a gallon. Now, I couldn't imagine what 
uh, $7,000 to $8,000 per gallon would be like. Uh, it also, we had been on to fusion power by that point, so we were also running on nuclear fusion. Our cars were, as the uh, Corvega, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of them blow up in Fallout 3. That's why they make such spectacular explosions. Yes, yeah, yeah. When you're behind them and they kill you. Um, so the FE, FEV uh, testing was moved to Mariposa military base. Um, and that's, I think, where a lot of the super mutants are, come from. I think that's actually where they started uh It's the origination, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, as we all know, the Great War nukes launched on October 23, causing black rain to fall and most of the plants and animals enter extinction. Uh, the Brotherhood of Steel is also formed in 2077, as well as the United States basically disintegrates into chaos. And I didn't know this at the time. But two facts about the Great War really stood out to me is insane. Uh, one of them is that the war lasted for two hours. Um, and just thinking about what uh, the nuclear yields did to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, two hours of constant nuclear barrage would be just world-ending, as it kind of is. And the other thing is that 13, I think it's 13 individual warheads hit Salt Lake City. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you really want to get rid of a city, 13 warheads should cover it. Um, I'm not quite as sure, I'm not quite sure what the yields are or what the yields were in those bombs, um, but obviously they were enough to do a lot of damage. So, that is basically the overview leading up to 2077. Um, and that uh, where that'll get to Fallout One, which uh, takes place like forty years after that, I believe. So um, we'll get into that later. So with Fallout lore, if there's anything you want us to cover, any specific topics, or um, if you have any interest in any specific events, um, let us know, uh, and we'll let you know how you can get a hold of us uh, towards the end of the show. But please let us know what you want to hear as far as the lore is concerned. So. Um, like we said before, we're going to get into a recommendations recommendations uh, section um, where we recommend things to you that we think you would like because you like Fallout. Right. Uh, in Fallout OTR recommends, uh, we will recommend you something else that we think a Fallout fan might enjoy. This could include uh, any kind of different thing. It could include games, podcasts, movies, TV shows, books, comics, Basically, anything else that we enjoy that we think you might enjoy, too. Mm-hmm. Our recommendations will usually be post-apocalyptic uh, kind of things, but not necessarily. It could also be something that's similar in tone, uh, something to help you catch up on history, um, any, any, anything. Just something we love that yep. we think you will. Definitely. So, What's first for on our, the recommendation list? <laughs> You're for our there. very first Fallout Off the Record recommends, uh, we bring you something pretty special that we both enjoy, and that is a podcast, a podcast audio drama, We're Alive, A Story of Survival. Yes. Uh, We're Alive is set in a world uh, that is struck by a zombie apocalypse. It's set in Los Angeles. And uh, it follows the story of uh, three soldiers uh, as they survive this zombie apocalypse, the people they meet, how they survive. And uh, eventually uh, uh, we deal with threats with uh, the zombies, threats with other people. Uh, It's a pretty amazing story. Um, The voice acting is excellent. Uh, The Foley work is excellent. Really, the sound effects just put you in, in the middle of the story. Uh, and it's a well-written story. Yeah. Uh, it's very, I found it hard to put down. I think you did too, Rick. Yeah, uh, I, I, I marathoned I, it pretty fast. There are a ton of episodes and I have binge listened in about two weeks. Um, and that's listening to it for about eight hours a day while I was working. So that'll give you an idea of how <laughs> much there is. Um, so yeah, that, that, um, that game or that podcast actually really makes me want to play fallout like every day at work i was listening to it i'm like i just want to get home and play some fallout or uh like made me really in in, you know anxious for the shelter uh mini game in fallout 4 just to survive waves and onslaught and you know you have to take care of your people and you know power and stuff so i was like really looking you know that that show really makes me look forward to fallout so Earlier, when I said that I had set my uh, Fallout Shelter Vault after a fictional universe that I enjoy, (laughs) this was it. Uh, The first season of We're Alive is set inside a a tower, 
And I always wanted a We're Alive version of Tiny Tower. So I went ahead and built that in Fallout Shelter. I named the characters, my dwellers after the characters, and I assigned them to jobs that they were doing in the show. And I... (laughs) I've sent a lot of dwellers out in the wasteland to die because they don't look like anybody um, in the show. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, So that was something I had fun with. Uh, But back. Go ahead. Sorry. Back to why we're recommending it. Uh, There are a lot of of, uh, zombie apocalypse type stories in the world. Uh, But We're Alive is really one of the better ones. And something that sets it apart and makes it different is that it's it's not so dark. It's optimistic. It's hopeful. Yeah. Uh, it's a story of survival, uh, not just a story of death. Yeah. And uh, that's why we love We're Alive. Yeah, it's like a less dark version of, uh, um, I can't think of the zombie show that everyone loves. The Walking Dead? Yes. It's a better uh, version of The Walking Dead. So, yeah, uh, it, it uh, definitely is. Um, We're Alive is a complete series. It's available for free on iTunes, or you can get it at zombiepodcast.com. I will offer a little disclaimer that there is adult language in the show. If you play Fallout, it's probably nothing that will offend you, but I wouldn't start up We're Alive if I had my niece and nephew in the car. So just to let you know, uh, adult language. Yes. So let us know what you think of We're Alive. Check it out. Let us know what you thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have something that uh, listeners that you think you would like uh, to recommend to us? Do you want that you want us to check out, or something that you think Fallout fans would enjoy? Let us know about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a ton of stuff out there to recommend, but we're always looking for more to recommend to you. So, yeah. So um, we're going to talk about. Now it's easy. It, it can be easy to survive in Fallout Three and and Fallout New Vegas. Uh, not so easy to fo- survive in Fallout One and Two, but um, you know you have your stim packs handy. You have tons of ammo. You have armor. But what if something should happen in real life? What would you do? Where would you go to? And who would you call? Fallout IRL. That's what you would do. You'd listen to this this part of the show. You'd listen to the whole show. But we're going to talk about some tips and tricks you can use um, to survive in the uh, real world. And tonight we're going to talk about fallout and radiation and kind of what it does to you. So we're going to let's see here. Uh, What exactly is fallout besides the game? Basically, it's the heat from a nuclear blast, the updraft that forms that mushroom cloud. Um, it's, it, it's the radiation in the, in the vaporized dirt particles that are drawn into the cloud that disperse over the whole region. Um, the, the heat of the explosion uh, fades, and radioactive materials condense around those dirt particles, and they fall back to Earth, giving you awesome little radioactive death treats. Um, Lovely. Yeah. Uh, These nuclear explosions may be fun to look at from a distance, but not fun to be near by any stretch. So uh, apparently, according to ready.gov, because we need real (laughs) tips about this from the government, there are three factors uh, to survive. And I love these three factors, and I'll tell you why. Uh, The first one is distance. (laughs) The second one is shielding. And the third one is time. Now, the thing that all three of these have in common is a whole healthy dose of luck, pure blind luck. So it's mm-hmm. like uh, if you're right under it, you won't know. Um, you will die. If you're far away from it, you can say, huh, I'm glad I had one of the three factors to survive. Granted, I had no idea I did. So uh, apparently that's what the government says you need in order to survive. So. Let's talk about the shelter a little bit, Shaleen. What are some things that, you know, a shelter could definitely use to help us? Well, the thick walls are the most important thing. Um, The thicker a wall you can get behind, the better. If you can get underground, that's ideal. Uh, If you have a basement or some kind of situation, get as far underground as possible. Uh, And if you're in a high-rise building when the bombs fall, then you're safest on a middle floor. Unless that middle floor is adjacent to another rooftop, uh, because if you're next to a rooftop next door, the fallout's going to collect on that rooftop and you're just just full of fallout. Mm, gotcha. Um, so sense. find a, a middle floor in the high rise that's not near a rooftop. And uh, 
Just stay inside. Just stay inside if there's fallout happening. Don't ever I, I come out. I guess Just... I probably don't have to say that. But. <laughs> yeah. If I see a mushroom cloud, um, I'm, not, I'm not going outside for a long time. <laughs> fallout radiation, though, uh, loses its intensity quickly, so you don't have to stay inside for maybe as long as you're thinking. Uh, 80% of fallout happens during the first uh, 24 hours after a nuclear device explodes. And uh, the greatest risk is during the first two weeks. After two weeks, radiation levels will decline to uh, virtually nothing. So ah, I didn't know that. So, mm-hmm. we could, so, so all of that time staying in Vault 101, they could have kind of walked on outside a little earlier than however many years they were down there. I guess Indeed. About, I guess about 200 at that point. Um, so there are a lot of risks, obviously, when it comes to a, a nuclear bomb. Uh one of the biggest ones is the size uh, or the yield of the bomb. Um, also, depending on if it was an air blast or ground blast, uh, can have vast, uh, can make it a, a big difference on, on how bad the fallout is. Um, weather conditions, if it's windy, bad. Um, direction of the wind, all of that. Because the wind carries the fallout particles farther than, than uh, rain can wash them away. Um, although rain can wash them away sooner, um, as, is what I meant to say. So the wind carries the fallout to your doorstep, um, and the rain helps wash it away. Um, there's also a really, and, and you can kind of see this uh, theoretically. There's a tool called, uh, <laughs> it sounds sketchy, but it isn't. I've been there a lot, weirdly enough. Uh, it's called nuclearsecrecy.com slash nuke map. And what you can do is you put in certain pri- parameters for your own nuclear blast. So you can put in the bomb yield, um, the, you know, the distance off the ground that it was exploded or on the ground or where it, you know, even where it's at in the world, um, weather conditions. And when you hit uh, launch, it gives you a nice like blast radius circle and a direction of the fallout and gives you casualty uh, insights depending on the density of the population that you pick. Um, it, it's actually really, really, really kind of an interesting tool to... Uh, yeah, I'd actually like to talk about that for a minute, Rick. Yeah. Um, I uh, when you told me about this website, I went and checked it out, and uh, there is is uh, a. Uh, I live in New Mexico, and yeah. there is an actual nuclear device that was detonated in New Mexico, the first one at the Trinity site. So I went and I put in the Trinity device at mm-hmm. the Trinity site and basically virtually recreated the Trinity explosion and the fallout washed right across my childhood home. Ah, uh, that must be why your childhood was so bright and memorable. Isn't that delightful? <laughs> so yeah, if, uh, if my face starts to melt, then we'll all know why. It's due to the uh, fallout in this delicious water that I've used to make this tea. So uh, <laughs> That's got to be comforting. They're like, yeah, that nuclear blast they set off near my house. Uh, <laughs> Plus two rads a second. Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, these, these things are not, uh, not, friendly, <laughs> not friendly things at all. Um, so uh, other things that the nuclear blast can cause... Um, they can create an electromagnetic pulse, which we know that from sci-fi movies breaks and damages electronics. So like your iPhone won't work, cars won't work, um, that stuff won't work. Analog tube gear will still work. So keep your ham radios handy and in working condition. Um, so yeah, so that, that will help suffice with the, uh, communications problem. Um, most likely, shortwave radios and such will not be affected. Um, so if you need comms when the nuclear bombs fall, ham radios and shortwave radios. Although shortwave radios are not as secure uh, as some things we'd like to see. So next week, we're actually going to talk about building an emergency kit and what to do during and after nuclear attacks. So stay tuned uh, for that. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> so uh, we have a couple emails and a couple uh, questions for some from some listeners that we got uh, before before the show uh, aired, obviously. So, uh, Shalene, why don't you go ahead and read what we uh, have uh, for us? Sure. Uh, well, uh, thanks for these emails, by the way. Yes, Keep sending you. them in. We love your emails. Uh, Stephen Barker uh, sent us the first email we're going to read today. He emailed us just like you can at falloutofftherecord at gmail.com. Will Fallout 3 get a remaster on latest-gen consoles? Is Fallout 4 a prequel to Fallout 3? 
the first question we'll tackle is Fallout, will Fallout 3 get a remaster? We can't know for certain, but I'm going to say no on that one. It's not really Bethesda's style to go back and revisit its old games. Uh, they're a very forward-thinking company. They've got all their all their assets invested in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'll also say that the Xbox One is going to be backwards compatible now. They announced mm-hmm. that at E3. And uh, actually, Xbox um, announced that everybody who pre-orders Fallout 4 will get a free backwards compatible copy of Fallout 3. Uh, that backwards compatibility thing really makes me think that we're going to see uh, a more forward-looking direction from the Xbox brand in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't think we're going to see as many remasters in general, which is a good thing. We want new games, uh, new games for sure. Yep. Uh, PlayStation doesn't have any plans for backwards compatibility, uh, tisk, but I, I tisk, still tisk. don't expect. I don't expect a remaster of Fallout Three. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I don't see that happening either. No. Um, they're always, like you said, they're just a forward-thinking company. So I, I definitely don't see that happening. Uh, is Fallout Four a prequel? I don't think Fallout Four will be a prequel. Um, each of the Fallout games has thus far taken place after the previous games, and uh, I, I see no reason why they'd break that trend. In the demo, uh, the press conference, Todd Howard said that. Uh, your character would emerge from the vault 200 years after the bombs fell. Yep. So uh, that's about the same time as Fallout 3. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think it takes place after New Vegas. I'm not quite yeah. sure. But it's definitely not a prequel to 3. It's definitely well, not. New Vegas, I think, was only four years apart from Fallout 3. Yes. So uh, even if it was after Fallout New Vegas, then... Um, that's approximately 200 years, so I, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a prequel. Yeah, every Fallout's been in chronological order, so it, it wouldn't make much sense um, why they would set a whole game in the past. It does make sense, and it's really cool um, to see pre-war, you know, you're playing in pre-war environment as the bombs are falling, and then you go into uh, the 200 years later. I've always wanted to see what the pre-war would look like, um, so I'm, mm. I'm really excited to see that. And color. I'm really <laughs> excited for color in the game. Me too. <laughs> So. I l- I'm excited that we're going to get to see what the pre-war world looked like before yeah. it was ruined. Right, so. exactly. Yeah, that's that's. I'm totally mm-hmm. on, on about that. So. Do you want to read the next email or shall I? I'll t- uh, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, Kyle K emailed in. He says, uh, "Hey guys, uh, name's Kyle. Huge gamer, huge Fallout fan. Um, just discovered uh, your podcast, and I think he's referring to the episode zero. And he says, thank you. So um, he wanted to start off by uh, saying." Uh, Fallout is way better. In episode zero, I had mentioned that Fallout 3 was my favorite. Um, Not that it's way... I mean, I guess to me it's better than New Vegas, obviously, because it's my favorite. And, uh, Shalene, I don't think you agree with me by any stretch. No, you guys are wrong. Fallout New Vegas. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, But he gives the same point that I did, that uh, New Vegas was made by Obsidian, which is not a problem. It just doesn't feel the same as Fallout 3 did. It wasn't as gooey and immersive to me. Um, but that's just me. So he uh, asks, do you think special variations of weapons will make a return to Fallout 4? Like, for instance, my favorites, the railway rifle and the experimental Merv Fat Man. I wondered because of the, the huge weapon crafting system, since it's so massive, who would need a special weapon when you could make your own? Um, I feel like, in my gut opinion, that they're definitely going to have special weapons in the game. I agree with you. I absolutely think there will be special weapons. Uh, just because they have that massive weapon, weapon crafting system doesn't mean they're going to force us to use it. Uh, and I know, right. I know you're excited about it, I am but totally I'm probably, I'm not, I'm not the girl who's going to be spending 20 hours modding the laser rifle. I rarely used mods in New Vegas. I, I didn't enjoy that. I've got stuff to do. Uh, if I wanted to, to build a weapon, I, I could build a workbench in my backyard and build a weapon. <laughs> and I have love modding weapons. Love them. Uh, so I, I'd rather find a special a special weapon with a name and uh, know that this is, you know, this is my gun. And it's called, it has this special name. And I think they'll, that the special weapons will return. Right. And they usually play off of... Um, one I love. What about uh, another thing I love about Fallout is they they tend to put in uh, little hidden nuggets and little Easter eggs. And one of I, them is their uh, 
you know, when they name their special weapons, like they put in the Deckard gun from Blade Runner called That Gun that you could buy at the uh, dino in uh, Novak. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just feel right in the holy hand grenades. Like they say in the, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> they say in the chat room, holy hand grenades. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I really am pretty sure that they're going to put in special weapons. If they don't, I, I actually am going to be a little disappointed. Um, however, I, I don't think it's going to be like a deciding factor for me. Uh, but like, like I'm not going to play Fallout because they don't have special weapons. Um, I'm totally still going to play it, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be in there. Um, so, and he mentioned the experimental Merv, which uh, leads us to our weapon of the week. Uh, what we were having fun playing with this week, and uh, right. tell us, Shaleen, what we were using this week for our favorite weapon. <laughs> well, this week's weapon of the week is one of the more iconic weapons of the Fallout series, the Fat Man. Yes. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the Fat Man is uh, basically a rocket launcher that fires tiny little nuclear bombs. Yes. It's a handheld nuclear device. You put it on your shoulder, shoot a mini nuke. Um, I, especially love the little, I especially love the little ding uh, when you get done reloading. And you put it back in there, ding, and it lets you know you can destroy again. My favorite part is the tiny little mushroom cloud. <laughs> so I, I do I do love that. And then um, there is, speaking of the uh, Merv, that, that Experimental Merv is a special edition you can get of the Fat Man if you collect all five Keller tapes. Now, I have not found all five Keller tapes. And before anyone yells at me, the reason is, is because... I haven't looked up the locations. I've been trying since the game came out to find them naturally in the real world. And I haven't yet. Uh, I think I found three. Yeah. So, um, But uh, there's a little bit of backstory on the uh, Fat Man. Okay, just a little, uh, a little bit of trivia about the Fat Man. It was named after the bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki in 1945 uh, to end World War II. And because of that connotation, that cultural issue it was renamed the nuka launcher in the japanese version of fallout 3 and i believe also fallout new vegas um and the uh there's a a real world analog to the fat man the m388 davy crockett was one of the smallest nuclear systems ever built it looks basically like the fat man and the little the little bombs it fires uh, are low yield nuclear weapons they're basically mini nukes you guys (laughs) Uh, those were built by the United States during the Cold War, and uh, that weapon though was not shoulder fired; it was mounted on a tripod. So. Yeah, uh, which is still impressive—the fact that they could launch a <laughs> mini nuke uh, from a tripod. Um, I just there's a lot more historical, actual historical grounding in the Fallout series uh, than I'm entirely comfortable with. No, yeah, uh, when I was reading the lore uh, for for this, it was really kind of scary because uh, it's so realistic you know you could totally see an energy crisis and people kind of already fight for water so yeah there's a lot of history and a lot of realism that they grounded in a very off-kilter world and that is you know it's just needed in fallout because the world is so dark and dismal Mm -hmm. they have to have ridiculous characters to yeah that's why they make fallout so silly yeah uh they they uh couch all the darkness in this just Whimsy and uh, and sense of humor, so optimism. No, exactly. I mean, you could go into Springvale School and you see a bunch of little tiny skeleton kids locked in a uh, cell, and then you go and you find a uh, protectron that thinks he's a sheriff. So mm-hmm. I I love the goofiness of the game. So um, I I want to. We had video of the Merv in action. Um, taking down a couple behemoths and I, I can't find it. So I'm sorry. I'll try to get it for next week. Uh, but the Merv is totally one of the best, uh, uh, guns you can get in game. It's so much fun to use. Well, technically it is the best weapon because it deals the most damage of any weapon in the game. Right. I just wouldn't recommend it as a close quarters shotgun. (laughs) So yeah, it fires eight mini nukes at once. And, uh, if you actually fire the Merv at the ground, uh, it will launch your body to the height limit of the game, as tall as Tinsley Tower. <laughs> I didn't know that the the game had a height limit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you can reach it if you fire the Merv at your feet. Rocket jump. Yeah, totally. I think I I think I'll try that. Um, and <laughs> just for those of you who don't know, Merv is actually a military term for multiple independently targetable 
reentry vehicle, which I'm so glad they shortened that down to Merv because that is a lot of bulls and lulls to fit into <laughs> a acronym. So that, yeah. <laughs> so um, that is the weapon of the week. Uh, I love that weapon, and I think I'm going to use it more. So that was um, fun. I've never used the Fat Man much until recently when I was doing this uh, this PlayStation Three trophy run. I went for my uh, Super Mutant Behemoth trophy. And I, I, I'm a hoarder in Fallout. I just collect things, and I collect big weapons, and I don't use them. I just I stick with the weapon that I was using in the beginning and collect my big weapons because I'm going to need them someday, right? Uh, i got to save them. Yeah. Who knows what could happen? So I've never used a Fat Man or Mini Nukes much uh, no, through dozens of playthroughs of these Fallout games. And uh, I decided I'm going to take my Fat Man and I'm just going to I'm just going to wipe out these super mutant behemoths. And uh, it was really fun. I, I managed to get that achievement in like 20 minutes, uh, awesome. just rolling around shooting mini nukes. It how, was great. How did you survive in the rotunda or did they give you enough room to kind of stand back and lob them down the hall? There's enough room. Uh, yeah, you can stand in the doorway, like in the little hall. And while the while the su- super mutant is battling the Talon Mercs, you can just launch the mini nuke and wipe them all out. Just mop the floors that's bam awesome. that's awesome I, uh, i'm gonna be using it a lot more big weapons are, are kind of a current theme that i've been using i've never really touched a gatling laser or even a minigun in the game so i've made a few characters um yeah i have like five or six characters that i work on i'm a big rpg guy i like backstories so i uh, i can't if i just create a character i, I need all, off the bat doesn't use big weapons i never touch big weapons in the game so i have to create my own special characters. So I've been using them a lot more and mini guns are a lot of fun. I'm surprised <laughs> I haven't touched them before that. So I've been missing out. So, um, so just in, uh, in closing, uh, what are some final thoughts on, uh, today's episode, Jolene? Uh, well, basically my final thoughts are that I just want to thank everybody for joining us for this first podcast. Uh, we've gotten some great support from the QGN community and the Fallout community, and I want to tell you guys thanks. Uh, you've been very welcoming. Yeah, that's that's kind of the same thing I have too. Um, you know, just uh, jumping on and, and doing this. Uh, you know, today being the first episode, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm really like, I've been really impressed with the the just the support and the love we've gotten. So thank every thank you everyone. Um, um, it's, it's one more great. thing, yeah, yeah, that I'd like to add. If you go ahead and do a Google image search for the fat man, um, because you oh. want to learn more about it, be more right. specific because I'm scarred for life. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember you telling me that, uh, Google is not a friendly beast. Uh, some Google searches that are innocent in nature, but can unleash a horde that will kill you, kill your eyes really. So, um, <laughs> Uh, we want to close by letting you know how you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can tweet us at uh, Fallout Off the Record. You can tweet me at Rick McVick on Twitter. And Shaleen, you can tweet at Shaleen L. Uh, you can also see our Twitter handles right above us there. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to us. And uh, uh, you can always leave us a review on iTunes because this will be uh, available on iTunes as well. So check out all the other great shows at uh, QGN and they all stream live and they all go up on uh, podcast uh, streams too. Uh, you can also email us at falloutotr at gmail.com and let us know what you think of our first episode and give us suggestions and uh, ask us questions and we'll We'll read a few of them on uh, air next week. So, uh, again, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, for tonight's uh, episode. And uh, I hope you will uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. So thank you very much for uh, being with us for Fallout Off the Record. Thanks, guys. See you next week.